Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Good evening. How's everybody doing? Good. Whether you're watching online or you're here with us tonight, want to say Merry Christmas to you. Hope you're uh, having a a good Christmas so far, and I, I know you probably have a lot to look forward to over the next few days. One of the things we love about Christmas, and there's so much to love about Christmas, but uh, is, is we, we look forward to a lot of things. There's a lot of surprises. There's things that we only do around Christmas time. There's movies that we kind of watch at Christmas time that we don't watch any other time. There's music that we listen to. And, and so we look forward to Christmas for a lot of different reasons. And, and you have some things in your family that are you know, special that you do around the holidays. And, and so you look forward to them, you as a family do. But then there's probably, if you're honest, and, and you got to be because we're in church, uh, so if you're honest, there's probably some things that you don't look forward to. There's some parties that you go to because you know you're supposed to, but you don't look forward to going to them. It's that, that, that family party that it's maybe not your side of the family, and there's crazy uncle so-and-so is always there, and, and so you go, but... As soon as it's time to leave, you're not hating that. Maybe it's the, your spouse's office Christmas party. You, you go and, and you know that's what you're supposed to do, but you're, you're watching the clock the whole time and you, man, as soon as you can go, you, you kind of feel awkward there and so you, you get out of there as soon as possible. If you've ever, and we probably all have, if you've ever felt awkward at a Christmas gathering, then you would have a lot in common with some of the people that were involved in the very first Christmas. See, that very first Christmas, there was Mary and Joseph and a baby, and then there was these guys that we make them sound really cool, and we want to dress up like them in the Christmas play. They're the shepherds, and and man, we we, we say, man, you want to be a shepherd if you're in a play, like, yeah, that would be a great thing. But these guys were guys that Man, it was probably a little bit awkward when they showed up to the manger scene. And Mary and Joseph may have been like, whoa, call security. I don't know who these guys are. These aren't the best guys in our society. Why are they coming to our kids, you know, kind of when he was born? Why are they here? And Luke, a first century doctor, he tells us, he gives us an account of that very first Christmas and he tells us a little bit of the, the story of Jesus' life and his, in this case, when he was born. And he talks to us a little bit about Mary and Joseph and these guys known as the shepherds. If you, you can look up on the screen or if you happen to have a Bible, you can open it up to Luke 2. And it says this. It says, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So Mary and Joseph had traveled about 90 miles on a donkey or walking. Mary is like nine months pregnant. And so 
all you ladies would understand this. I mean, you probably don't want to do anything when you're nine months pregnant except for have the baby, but Mary had to do this 90-mile this trek, and so they finally get there, and Mary finds out that Joseph didn't like get an Airbnb for him. She did, he didn't do anything ahead of time, so they don't have a place to stay. And, and then Luke goes on and he says, then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, which sounds really cute, but it probably wasn't. It was a feeding trough for animals. Why? Because there was no guest room available for them. And so Mary, nine months pregnant, does a 90-mile trek with her husband, and they get there. There's no place to stay, and they're like, well, we... We kind of have like a little cave stable thing where some of our animals hang out. I mean, you could probably find some place to sit down in there if you want to use that. And so that's where they go. And that's where Mary has her firstborn son, who we know is Jesus. And over the years, we've, we've taken this scene and we've made it look cute with a beautiful manger scene. But if we were to go back 2,000 years to this scene, we would have seen... A dirty, poor, homeless family that didn't have a place to go amongst dirty, smelly animals having a baby. No medicine, no disinfectant, no clean linens to put the baby in. Just two tired, nervous young parents with their firstborn baby. Just doing their best. Just doing their best. And while this is happening, while Mary's having this baby there in the stable, just right outside the city is another group of people. And it wasn't, they weren't far away. It was really close. But these guys, they were out there and they were the shepherds. And, and Luke tells us about these guys, the shepherds. It says this. It says, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. And so literally this city is probably no bigger than some of our big neighborhoods. We're not talking about a huge city. And so right outside that city are these guys known as shepherds who are, are doing what shepherds do. They're watching over their flock. And if, if you live back in this time period, you, you would look at shepherds probably differently than you do now when you think about the Christmas story. See, shepherding is one of the oldest professions in the world. But shepherds were, in this society, were kind of towards the bottom of the totem pole socially. These guys were, because of what they did, they took care of dumb, dirty sheep out in the fields all the time. Because of some of their behavior, these guys weren't always the best guys. Some of them were thieves. And then even in the religious circles, these guys weren't even allowed to come to the religious circles. They weren't allowed to be a part of the religious ceremonies. They were considered unclean. And so if, uh, if your daughter brought a shepherd home, you weren't happy about that. It wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to meet your guy. No, this is like you're trying to get rid of the shepherd. He's not a good guy usually. And here's what's real interesting, though. These shepherds... They were not religious guys at all, but yet they had a very important part of the religious system. Because back in this day, the religious system would sacrifice thousands of lambs a year. 
And so imagine being these shepherds where, hey, you, you can't come be a part of what we're doing, but we're going to use you because we need you for our system to work. And so these guys are out in the field. They're, they're just rough guys. They're probably cynical about the government and about religion. And they're out in the field doing what they do every single night. They're checking on the sheep, having conversations with the guys, And then all of a sudden, something happens in the middle of this quiet night that's like any other night that changes everything for these guys. It says this in verse 9. It says, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Uh, Amidst the, the quiet darkness of the night, this angel appeared to them, And the scripture says they were terrified. They are, I mean, intense fear that probably some of them had to go change their pants after this happened. I mean, that's how scared they were. If you've ever been that scared, you would probably understand what the shepherds were going through. I mean, they're, they're out there quiet, silent night. Everything's great. They're doing what they're normally do, checking in on the sheep, kind of dozing off. And then all of a sudden, an angel appears to them. And, and as this angel appears to them, though they're paralyzed with fear, their perspective is about to change when this angel begins to talk to them. And here's what the angel said. It says, the angel said to them, don't be afraid. That's a lot easier said than done. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Basically what the angel is saying, instead of being afraid, instead of having this intense fear, I want you to calm down and I want you to lean in because what I'm about to tell you is really good news. And so the, the, the angel goes on and here's what the angel says. He gives them the really good news. He says, today... In the city of David, which is, you know, right there, the city that you know of, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. So today, while you're out here in the field and while all the quietness is happening, right now, while we're talking, the Savior of the world has been born right there in that city tonight. See, These guys, they they weren't religious guys, but the Jewish system, they probably understood it a little bit, and they understood that the Jews believed that one day they had a perfect relationship with God, the beginning of the world when Adam and Eve were together and, and life was perfect, their relationship with God was perfect, but then sin entered into the world and that perfect relationship was broken. And so the Jews believed that one day a Messiah would come. One day a Redeemer, a Savior would come who would pay a price to heal the relationship between God and man. And they had been waiting hundreds and thousands of years for this Savior. And the angel says to the shepherds, hey guys, that Savior has been born tonight right over there in the city of David. And, and he goes on, and in verse 12, he says, this will be a sign. This is, this is how you're going to know when you get to where the Savior is. This will be the sign for you. 
you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. About this time, the shepherds are probably asking themselves a question because they're probably thinking, I think the angel may have made a wrong turn. And here's the obvious question that they're probably asking themselves, and it's simply this, why us? Why are you bringing this message to us? We are unimportant in society, and we hate religion. We're not big fans of religion. Nobody in society likes us. Why would you bring a message of the Savior to us first? Well, in the midst of this question, in the midst of this why us, they must have begun to think, or at least whether they were thinking it or not, it's interesting that in God's plan, he wanted the shepherds to be the first to know about his son's birth, which led them to come face to face with a second question. So the first obvious question is, why us? Why wouldn't you come to a king? Why wouldn't you come to a a religious person? Why wouldn't you come to a teacher? Why wouldn't you come to somebody respectable in society that has influence? We're at the bottom of the social structure. We have no influence. And if we do have influence, it's bad influence. Why come to us first? But then they had to come to a second question. And now that they had been told about Jesus, the Savior, They had to answer this question, what am I going to do with Jesus? We've been told, we don't understand why they would tell us first, but we have been told about this Savior, we've been told about this Jesus, we've been told he's been born right over in the city of David, right there, what are we going to do? And for the shepherds, it didn't take them long to make a decision, it didn't take them long to decide, in fact, it says this in verse 15, When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem. Let's see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Like something's going on. We don't understand this, but something's going on, and we can't just leave it. We've got to go find out more. Let's go. And so it says this in verse 16. They hurried off. I don't know what happened to all the sheep, but they they hurried off. And they found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After what was probably not a long search, because again, small city, there's not a lot of stables and caves, so they probably found Mary and Joseph pretty quick. They walk in and they see Mary and Joseph and this baby in what they're very familiar with, a feeding trough that they would use for their animals. I can't imagine what was going through their mind as they gazed at this hours, maybe hours, old baby boy who they were just told was the savior of the world. See, it says this in verse 17, now that they're they're there, and honestly, again, Scripture doesn't say this, but it, it would have been awkward. I mean, think about it, ladies, when you had your last baby, and you were in the hospital just a few minutes after having your baby, and then some strange dudes just come in your room? 
like that aren't really good in society, guys that you are, they're just not great guys. I mean, you don't want anybody in the room with you, let alone some like hoodlums from your city that just come and hang out with you when you just had your baby. That's what happens here. And so probably after a little bit, hey, Joseph, put the knife down. We're good. You know, that, some of that. It says this in verse 17, after seeing them, they reported the message they were told. It's like, before you do anything, let us tell you what the angel told us. They reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. And then verse 19 says this, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds, after being with the baby and with mom and dad, returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Exactly what the angel told us we saw. See, what started as a quiet night with a group of cynical shepherds out in the field ended with those same men passionately spreading the word about a Savior who had been born. Which brings us to those questions. No matter where you stand as it relates to faith, no matter if you buy into the whole Jesus thing, whether you're watching online or you're here with us this evening, it brings us back to those two questions that the shepherds probably dealt with that night. The first question they may have asked themselves, and then the second question they had to answer themselves. And that, that first question that they had to ask themselves, you might be wondering too. Why us? Why would God choose to bring the message of His Son, the Savior, to the shepherds first? Could it be that God wanted the world to know that Jesus came for the broken, the rejected, the skeptical, the irreligious, that Jesus came for the Sunday school kid and the pothead? He came for the priest and the prostitute. Could it be that that might be one of the reasons that he brought the message to the shepherds first? Is he wanted to let the world know, I'm coming for those who are broken and don't have it all together. But, but what if it was this? Could it be that he wanted to show the world that Jesus transforms people, not religion? Think about it. If, if you were trying to start a, a movement around Jesus, if you were trying to start a movement and you had to build a team and you wanted to get some people on that team, you probably wouldn't go to the shepherds. You would go find some religious people, some people that had some influence in those circles. But Jesus wanted to make clear, I'm not coming to be religious. I'm coming to transform hearts. And religion doesn't transform hearts. And so he came to the shepherds and not the religious crowd. In fact, if you read through the accounts of Jesus, maybe you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you're not. But if you've even spent any time in there, you find out real quick that Jesus and the religious folks, they did not get along well. Religious people were not big fans of Jesus. And some of the harshest things that Jesus said while he was on earth were directed at the religious leaders of the day. So maybe Jesus was trying to say, hey, I didn't come here to be religious. I came here to transform people's hearts. And that doesn't happen through religion. It happens through a relationship 
that transforms hearts. Which leads us to that second question. And this is a question that the shepherds had to answer. That if you're watching online tonight, you've had to maybe grapple with. And and if you're here tonight, we need to grapple with. And here's that question. It's a great question to grapple with around Christmas. Simple question is this. What am I going to do with Jesus? What, What am I going to do with Jesus? The baby in a manger that grows up to be a man that lives a perfect life, and that he dies on a cross to pay for the sins of the world. They put his body in a grave. He raises from the grave. What am I going to do with the baby in a manger? I can do one of two things, just like the shepherds. I can reject him. I can say, you know what? That is honorable what you did, Jesus. It makes for a really good Christmas play. Appreciate what you did on the cross, but I want to live my life the way I want to. And when I die, I'll I'll take care of my own sin. I I don't need you or what you did. I'll I'll just kind of do my own thing. And you can reject him just like the shepherds had that choice. They could have said, ah, I don't care what the angel said. We're going to stick out here in the field and keep doing what we're doing. They could have rejected it. We can reject it. Or we can embrace it. We can embrace the baby in a manger. We can realize that we are not perfect people, that we are broken. That we have sinned. That's what the Bible calls it. We've disobeyed God. And because we've disobeyed God, we need something to heal the relationship between God and us. And we can, knowing that, say, you know what, Jesus, I know why you came. You came to be that person. You gave your life to pay for my sin so that I could have a relationship with God. We can reject him or we can embrace him. And the question this Christmas is, what's the decision that you're going to make? What decision will I make? Will I embrace? Or will I reject? If everybody would bow your heads and close your eyes as we close. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes as we finish this part of our night. And I want us to close by just really thinking personally about that question. The question, what am I going to do with Jesus? Am I going to reject him? Which he lets us do that. That option's there. Or am I going to embrace him? Am I going to embrace him? Am I going to stop trying to fix myself? And am I going to embrace the baby in a manger that would grow up and give his life for my sin? Maybe you're here tonight or you're watching online and you'd say, Chris, man, I've, I've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I've never made a decision to really kind of step over that line of faith. I've, I've known about Jesus and I've had opinions about Jesus, but I've never embraced him. Is tonight the night for you? If you're here or you're watching online and you'd say, man, tonight is the night that I want to embrace the baby in a manger. The baby that didn't come for the religious Folks, he came for those that knew they needed his help. And he transforms us. If that's you, if you're here tonight or you're watching online and you'd say, tonight, I want to embrace Jesus. I want to start a relationship with him that transforms me from the inside out. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you can do that right where you're at. 
If you're watching online, you can do it right where you're seated tonight. If you're here, you can do it right in this auditorium. Say, Chris, how would I do that? Well, we do it through praying. Praying is just telling God what we believe in our hearts, just communicating that to God. And so in the quietness of this room, if you're here tonight and you'd say, tonight's the night I want to embrace Jesus as my Savior, I want to start a relationship with Him, would you just in your heart to God, would you say something like this? Say, dear God, I admit to you that I've disobeyed you. I've broken your commandments. Just tell him. He already knows. Just tell him. And then just tell him, I I believe that Jesus came and died on the cross to pay for my sin. Just tell him. I believe that he rose from the grave. Just between you and God. And then just invite God in. Say, Dear God, please come into my life. Save me. I want a relationship with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you prayed that prayer in your heart, or maybe you're there and you'd say, you know what, I, I wanted to, but I, for whatever reason I didn't. Let me just go through that one more time. Online or here with us tonight, just... In your heart, just put it in your own words. Dear God, I admit to you that I've sinned, I've disobeyed you. Just tell them. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I believe that he rose from the grave. And then just invite him. Come into my life. Save me. I want a relationship with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if if you're here tonight and you would say, hey, Chris, tonight I I prayed and asked Jesus to save me. Would you just, in the quietness of this room with nobody looking around, would you just slip your hand up? Just slip your hand up all over the auditorium. Just slip your hand up. You're saying, you know what? Tonight I prayed to ask Jesus to save me. There's several of you. Thank you guys for raising your hand. You can put them down. It's exciting. It's no better time to start a relationship with Jesus than at Christmas. And if you would do one more thing for us, if you wouldn't mind, before you leave, there's a little decision card right in front of you. It just says decision on it. And if you wouldn't mind filling that out and just leaving it in your seat, we'll text you or call you probably after the holidays. We just want to check in with you, make sure you understand your decision. And so if you just fill that out and leave it in your seat, We would appreciate that. If you need a Bible, if you need anything, we just want to help you get started on the right foot. Lord, thank you for loving us enough to leave heaven and come to earth so that we could have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.